welcome to another episode of Gur Cafe. I'm your host, Lainey. Join me and my colleagues, Ollie and Seb, as we discuss varying topics around all things games user research. We've got you covered, whether you're just getting started in Gur, been around for a while, or are simply interested in learning more. We have a lot to talk about, so grab your favorite drink and let's jump right in to today's episode. Welcome, welcome. Ollie, Julian, hello. Hello. Hi, Lenny. Hi. We have, we have our guest, long-awaited first guest, Julian. Introduce yourself. I will. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, so I'm Julian. Um, I've been doing user research uh, or research adjacent things, let's say, at Ubisoft for the past 10 years. And, um, and I've been working on this little game called Rainbow Six Siege uh, for the past uh, four and a half years now um, in various positions. So uh, yeah, like today's topic is very close to my to my heart, and I am and I'm happy I get the chance to discuss it with you guys. Awesome! Thank you so much. Very excited to have you. Uh, for those of you that have listened to our last episode, you probably heard Ollie and I chatting a lot about. Uh, a talk, my favorite talk again, uh, that Julian gave a couple of years ago. Um, and so actually like following some of those conversations is what led us to today. So I want to, I want to set the scene a little bit here on what I want to chat with you both about today, which I'm super excited. Um, so I'd like for us to go a bit deeper into the conversation, the previous conversations we've been having about mindset and the importance of blending ourselves into the design cycle. So I'll pause here again. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, highly encourage you to go back and check that one out. We'll have it linked for you because it really does set the scene really nicely um, when we're talking about the importance of being blended within the design cycle, how we can do that, what that looks like, why we feel like it's important really kind of builds off of, um, we're going to build off of that a lot today. So following the recording of that episode, uh, which unfortunately Julian was away, so he wasn't able to join us then, but he's here now. <laughs> Julian, here. And I were ch <laughs> Julian and I were chatting, um, well, I think reminiscing, I guess is probably the better term, of our days working together on our six, uh, when we used to spend many hours, sorry, Ollie, who was my manager at the time, drinking coffee on the rooftop waxing philosophically about what our roles as user researchers are uh, and it's i think very fondly of those days i think julian does as well yes, um i do <laughs> best. but <laughs> it definitely it definitely shaped a lot about how i think about my role as a researcher and really what i try to instill and pass along to my team now and so i mentioned to julian when we were kind of uh connecting and chatting a little bit about this topic that I was struggling to get through to some of my researchers on occasion about how we can go further with our discipline with with research and what being blended and being highly influential can really look like. What does it look like? What does it feel like? And we started discussing that, you know, too often we see researchers so hyper focused on building the research package right? Having all of the pieces, all of the variables controlled, everything accounted for ahead of time and ensuring, and as they're really trying to ensure this, they're, they start to lose a bit of the perspective on what the purpose of the research is, 
the questions that they're trying to answer, who the audience is for the research, and most importantly, kind of what our role in this whole process is. Why are we here, right? So we place an immense amount, we, I see this, and I think all of us can agree here, is like we see this kind of overemphasis of building the research and understanding the players, which again, not trying to diminish the importance because obviously that is a substantial portion of our job and it really is a fundamental pillar. But if you go back even further, really thinking about what our role is, and this is when Julian said something that really struck me, stuck with me, it's going to be the topic of our conversation today. So what if we can shift from our mindset of building research around understanding the player and how to be better at understanding the player to a mindset of how do we get better at designing things? So I'm curious. I want both of your thoughts on this. So do we agree? And should we think of ourselves as design tools? Yeah, Discuss. you're the guest. Go ahead. Yes. Okay, <laughs> we'll start. Well, um, I, I do agree with myself, so that's a, that's a given. Um, Perfect. But, uh, but but yeah, no, I, I think, and I'm I'm really not surprised actually that this is kind of how a lot of researchers starts, like uh, because we we frame our work at least externally a lot, like we are the champion of the player, which I think we are, but um. Sometimes it's a bit reductive. I, I'd say that it's not just that. Like we, we are also here to to help people build a video game, and that that should sometimes be more our main concern, other than being, you know, like you mentioned, the voice of the player. So it, it's 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 something that having uh, takes a bit of work and, and challenging a bit our expectation and and who we think we are. But uh, it's 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 incredibly valuable, and we already do it to some extent. Uh, like when we, there is a lot of good research that really helps the design. Um, but uh, it's it's sometimes we get we, we get side sidetracked a bit uh, by other concerns. Um, so so yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I think we kind of all have to fight that 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 impulse to. To, to think about the player first and not think about how we can help the people we have in front of us, which are the designer, the production, and uh, and, uh, and and try to fit or work into this other than maybe the other way around sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Ollie, I'm curious your perspective here, because Julian and I have chatted a lot about this. I think that it's pretty clear that we agree. <laughs> <laughs> curious to get other perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been thinking about the the, the, the question itself. You know, uh, could we uh, see ourselves as our design tools? And uh, I say, okay. So uh, what does it mean to be a tool or to be a design tool? What does it mean? And uh, so, uh, uh, spoiler, I don't say that I have an official definition about that. But the way I see it is that a tool is something that is helping someone to achieve a goal. You know, so like. Uh, a screwdriver is helping you to uh, screw and uh, you could try to do it with your hand but it will be much more complicated right so um, are we a tool yes I, I think we definitely should be a tool because uh, I mean we've discussed that in past uh, podcasts I think uh, the best value of the user research is that is to bring some valuable insight that help people make decisions that they have to to to, to take. So, uh, in that sense, uh, if we do help and we should help designers make the best decisions for their game, then 
we are helping them to achieve their design objectives. And if we see it that way, uh, we are very much a design tool. Yeah, and, and I will definitely add on that because if you take a step back even on the definition of, of design, one way to look at it is that designing something is is iterating on the states of an experience to reach a specific goal. And what's really important is the iterate part. Um, and th there is basically no design process without iteration. Like you, you don't just come up with an idea and that's how it's going to be. And so that's that's kind of the, the thing for me that makes me think that there is not a strong distinction between research and design because a designer kind of do some degree of research. You have to think about the other player. We just help facilitate that. And for, I would say, like logistical and historical reason, those are two separate roles on a lot of, uh, in a lot of organization. But in essence, it's just, it's one of the same thing. You, you, you it's two part of, of, of trying to bring your design from point A to point B, which is your goal and your intended design and what the experience you're trying to convey to the user. So, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's like it's, having the, the expertise to be able to kind of reach that goal, right? Where it's absolutely. like a respect and an understanding. Like for me, I always want to make sure I have like a real understanding and respect for the design, right? I, I, I spent time taking, you know, design courses in, in university, really trying to understand game design and having like a, obviously I'm not going to try and pretend that I could design a game ever, but really trying to figure out like, what is, what is game design? What is that? What are the foundations of that? The pillars and like, what does it mean to be a part of, you know, game development as a whole? And I think it's it's the Venn diagram, right? Where you look at kind of the designers and the researchers and really there's this shared common goal. It's like, like you were saying, Ollie, right? Where it's like, everyone's kind of just a tool in getting t things forward to be able to kind of reach that. And I think that it's our expertise is that we are championing champions for the player and we bring that kind of understanding into our expertise of being the tool to help be a part of the design process. Yeah, and I, I fully agree with uh, um, that to some extent. Uh, I don't know if we need to be designers, but I mean, as researchers, we need to understand the design. Uh, there's no question about that. And this is not only in video games, this is everywhere. I mean, if you're working on websites and you have no idea how a website is built, uh, you're not going to be as uh, relevant because uh, you're going to make or see things from a perspective that is just not realistic. I think it also comes down to this. If we want to, uh, to, 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 to be really helpful to people, we cannot come with crazy ideas that anyone with uh, a mild idea of what it is to design things uh, would realize is just not appropriate. So we always steer at least a little. Uh, I mean, we need to have some sort of design skills, not at the same level as designers, of course, but we need to have a basic understanding of that to be uh, efficient. Absolutely. And, and even further, I will say that um, that helps a lot. And I think an, an important goal you have, I think, to set for yourself as, as, as a researcher is trying to understand how decisions are taken on a game you're working on. Oh, God, 1000%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the tricky part, I think, is that it changed a lot from one game to another. It changed a lot from one year to another sometimes, from one 
you know, um, aspect of your game to another. And, uh, and, and oftentimes user research uh, tends to be pushed as a process that the production will have to adjust to in a way, which sometimes create friction or pressure. Uh, and, and, and I feel like if we have to be a good design tool, we have to walk the other way around and try to understand how the decisions are taken and insert ourselves into those moments where decisions are, are made, uh, which is a, sometimes a meeting, sometimes, a, I don't know, a play session, anything else. But um, that's, it's, I it's, think, yeah. it's treating the relationship like a partnership. And I think with that, we sometimes don't place enough emphasis on the give and take where obviously with research, we need things to be, we have particulars about the way things need to be run, the way things that need to operate, the way in which the stability of a build, whatever, that's fine. That's not what I'm even referring to. It's that we can't kind of come in and start dictating, right? We're not God's gift to game design. It's really about this kind of partnership of understanding and helping meet the design intention. Right. And going through it's like it's not even about the individuals or the kind of the in, like it's it's a sum of all of the pieces that there's this intention and we possess a very specific skill set to be able to be there. And how we have our voice and what our role is, is is being able to provide information to help people make more confident decisions when they're making these design choices and really being able to help them stretch and move within the iteration process like you were talking before yeah and uh, you know i think it's, that's what i like i, I like the, the today's topic because um uh, and maybe uh, maybe i'm anticipating to some other questions that you have but um, um i think that just thinking of ourselves as a design tool I think it's it helps you know to, uh, to to start having this kind of question because if you see yourself like that it's okay how do I help those people how do I help make their decision but what decision are do they have to to, to yeah. make again you know I think it's just a shift on the way we see ourselves that I feel help achieve actually that goal yes and it was interesting because I was I'll be honest, I hadn't really like thought about it in these exact terms until Julian and I were having this conversation. Because basically the conversation started with, how did we do this? How were we successful? <laughs> how, because, you know, obviously Julian and I, we worked on, we worked on Siege and we, we did a lot of really great impactful research. We really had very strong relationships with our stakeholders and our direction team. We were really a part of all the design conversations we facilitated quite a few of those actually. And so I I was having this ish struggle where I was trying to help my team who, you know, a lot of them are a lot more junior than we were at that point. And so I went to him, I went to Julian and I said like, how did we do that? And this was when we really started to think about, and it made me really start thinking about how I thought about myself when I worked on Siege and the things that we were able to achieve, and I didn't realize that at the time, I realize now that that's really what we were doing. We really were treating ourselves like we were really facilitating the design process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and interestingly, a lot of that came out in the form of not user tests. Uh, and I think that was- Mostly, yes. Yeah, that, that, that was, I think, it's kind of where the, the mindset shift uh, becomes um, like kind of 
obvious and, 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 and important is that if we had tried to fit user tests in those, I don't think that would have worked as much. I think user tests could have achieved the same effect, but probably at a cost that would be greater in terms of time and stuff like that. So, um, and requirement in terms of grid, for example, for something you mentioned. Um, but instead of coming with our big researcher boots, we, we just watch how they worked for the most part and try to help wherever uh, uh, we could. And that took the form of PlayStation, for example, which are not extremely solid in terms of uh, a scientific method, but that was what they needed at the time because they had that. that we were able to take what they were already doing, which cost us nothing, and already ensured that we had a bunch of a captive audience of people and identified how we could add value, right? And I think that's what is kind of pushing this boundary of kind of being, you know, being better at designing things, but also building influence, right? Which we talk about all the time, this mindset. And because I hear a lot, they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to like innovate and do all these more things. It's more, 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 more. And it's like you said, like we were, we really were in a lot of cases doing less. We weren't really doing large scale studies all the time or really large user tests. We were just really efficient in kind of managing these little pieces that we had. We really latched onto the play session process and really tried to build kind of this catalog and really build ourselves as experts in being able to to help with design. And I think whenever I think a little bit about like, okay, so how, so would this work, right? If we have this mindset of like, are we just kind of these design tools? Is this something? And I think that I, I do feel, I mean, I'll we'll brag for a minute here, but I do feel like what we achieved on Siege was very in line with kind of having this mindset of building with the team and some of the different pieces that we that we built up. Um, and a lot of that was thanks to kind of you, Julian, who came in, like before I myself and some of the other analysts, like we before we came and started building it up, you would kind of set that groundwork. And I think that I'm curious kind of, you know, how how do we start getting, laying that groundwork, right? Like, how do we start to make this mindset shift? One of the things uh, that, uh, that that I, I think I will do uh, uh, systematically now uh, in the future is if I embark on a project to lay the groundwork, like you, like you say, I will, I will probably just follow the game designer for a couple of weeks and go into every single of their meetings, just be a fly on the wall, um, see how they work, um, see what are their decision process, because a lot of time people take decisions without realizing it. Like uh, we have a meeting for something and then everyone um, mindsets on, on a specific topic is shifted, which is in a way a decision, like you made the design move forward and be able to identify how the decisions are made on your game. Uh, I think it's, it's the basic you need to achieve if you want to lay the groundwork to that. And then you can start build. And sometimes, you know, you will use tools that you know and, and love, like user test or other things. Or maybe sometimes you will have to in introduce something a bit more agile or, or just, you know, sometimes just organize meeting and stuff like that because you understand how the decisions are made. And you can insert yourself um, in those crux moments. And you will see, I think, moments where things go well. 
you will see some decision process are solid and works really well. And also it's the video game industry and there is a, a lot of spaces where things are done, you know, not as well, uh, like maybe in a more organic fashion or maybe sometimes without a very strict process. And I think you can help when that happens. You can build a structure, you can help set things up, so you can inject a piece of feedback um, if that's useful. Um, and, and I think that will create a basis to create the kind of relationship we have uh, and we had back then uh, um, with the Siege team. Ollie, I didn't know if you had something you wanted to say. You looked like you had. <laughs> no, 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 not, not really. But you know, I think it's 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 great what Junais is telling. I don't feel like I should add something because I think this is also this is things that we already discussed in the past. But I think it's great to have this really uh, you know concrete experience from Julien that yeah. is just you know uh, uh, building on I think uh, the the things that we've been discussing so far uh, in uh, in this in this podcast. And, you know, I, yeah, I guess, you know, when you're doing that, it's just, you know, uh, just shifting from answering research question to finding out how you can help people achieve their objectives, you know, I, th yes. it's, it's, I think that's the way, you know, and I was thinking maybe it's, a, maybe these are some kind of levels of maturity as a researcher, you know, because I think I when you start, wondering that. because yeah. when you start, you want to run study, you want to build a study and uh, you want to do a test and you want to meet players, etc. And then you say, hey, okay, okay, I want to answer a research question. So then maybe you are more mindful about the kind of method you put in place and you realize that there's more to it that maybe you anticipated. And then maybe the last step is what we're talking about. It's, uh, it's uh, I'm not here to answer a research question. I'm here to help people uh, achieve their objectives and uh, answering those questions is still valid. Uh, it's just that it's a, it's a, it's a mean to an end and it's not the end in itself. It's it's like you know the the end goal is shifting with the the, the maturity of how we do research uh, within our organization. And and the cool thing with that is that you will end up creating your own research question because there will be no strong distinction between your you and design. So your question will be their questions. And I remember seeing that shift on siege where we reached a point where we barely had those talks you need to have, where we were like, okay, what are the goals for this piece of research? And it was becoming so fluid that we did not really need to have that. We did some quick confirmation, but for the most part, we knew what they needed because there was not a strong distinction between our needs and their needs. Because you're so blended in, as we were saying last hey, time, that you don't you don't even need to have those those questions. You know you know there are the questions because you are already part of those discussions, right? Yeah, and I think that I think it does take a level of maturity, and I think that that's kind of what I've been grappling a bit with um, with my team, with my researchers. You know, the, the people that have the boots on the ground that are really doing this is that how can we instill some of that mindset even at the most like junior level, right? Is because I do think that it does come with a level of maturity. Because I look back at myself and what I, what how I was operating and how I was working, and when I really kind of made that turn towards my mindset of like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build tools for you. I'm gonna build things that are based upon the research that we've done that help you answer questions and help you make decisions. You didn't ask for this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. And kind of thinking about that turning point, even for myself of like, how did I get there? What kind of, how did these pieces come together? And 
really trying to think about and I'm wondering if you have suggestions, both of you, it's like, how do we instill some of this mindset into the way that we approach our relationships with our productions or kind of how we're, you know, really kind of embedding newer researchers? Uh, yeah, I think you mentioned some great, I think, access. Uh, just the way we present ourselves, I think is key. And I feel like when you're a new researcher on a team, you kind of look at what has been done historically, and that's going to frame your own perception of yourself. Um, and, you know, you land on a lab, like it's likely that there is big test room, state of the arts, you know, glass panel and everything. And that that kind of become what you think you have to do in a way. Um, so this is very this is very relatable. Yeah. And and uh I don't have a great way to shift that because you still need those facilities and you still need the organization and the know-how on how to leverage those tools. But maybe sometimes we have to find ways to onboard people in a way that feels less you're in that box and more maybe a larger box where, hey, here are the designers. They are not even your partner. They are they are, they are you in a way. Like they are, the, you're on the same boat. You're, the whole production is trying to achieve something you're part of that and the lab is cool you can use it it's just a tool for you and it's not your end game like your your goal is not to fill out those test homes with players uh, your goal is to help the guy you have in front of you achieve his own game, goal yeah i think it's it's interesting i i, I like the thing that uh, yeah because you see these big lab rooms then you think that uh, you are here to run some tests you know uh, that leads me to uh, another thing is uh, i believe that part of it is also uh, and uh, should be coming from uh, the organization itself from uh, you know uh, i mean from the department from the lab i mean uh, if we don't uh, pass this kind of mindset from the get-go, uh, then it gets more difficult. And uh, that's actually things that we're trying to 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 work on uh, as as we speak. And I think it's very, it's very very important. It's not just a matter of people realizing that this is what they have to do, but uh, uh, yeah, we need to feel that this is what our our organization uh, as a user research organization strives to do and that this is what we expect from our people i think it's almost as important because yeah if you have this feeling that there's this big uh, flow from the, the 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 organization that says hey this is what is expected from you and um, yeah as you see the point sorry <laughs> yeah no but i think it's i think it's a good one cuz i think it's it's kind of shifting the emphasis Right. Because I think it is like I remember like I, I started in like scrappy indie user research. So I, I show up to Ubisoft and I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> there's a lot of tools. There's a lot of resources. There's a lot of people. And it's really easy to kind of just get carried away of like over designing research, if I might say, um, and really kind of losing that focus of the communication collaboration, partnership, you know, being aligned with your team and really the way in which you approach those relationships, right? If you're only ever going to your stakeholders and talking about to them about the needs of this thing, the needs of this thing, the needs of that thing, that shapes the way that you are a part of that decision-making process. It just shapes the way that you are a part of how they view your communication and what you are there for. Like you were mentioning before, Julian, right? Where it's like, if I had to do this again, 
I just go spend a week following some designers around. Great, right? It shows more like, okay, we are empathetic partners in this. We are in this together. I want to understand what it is that you do, not roll in and be like, all right, I need you to tell me what it is that you need because I need to go design my research and then you'll see me again in two weeks and I'll have a big 90 page PowerPoint to present to you of all of my findings. And, and if you do that, uh, you're kind of in a sort of vicious circles because anyways, yes. when you start to uh, to run in that wheel, it never stops. So uh, yes. once you're in there, it gets much more difficult to jump out of the wheel and say, hold on a moment, what's going on out there, you know? And then yeah. you're just chaining research and chaining research. And, and that was something I tried to, to communicate with the talk. Uh, uh, you guys mentioned it's 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 really hard to to take that perspective because we we are incredibly proficient at you know running user tests on a large scale super quick super efficient super cost effective everything it's incredible actually it's very like very refined as a process giving them scores and ratings yeah for things. No, like the, the end <laughs> result may you know, we we can divide that, but at <laughs> least the, the process is very efficient. That there is no, no. But to the point where you're always thinking about optimizing that, and we are, when you are yes. spending brain time doing that, you're not listening to trying to understand the designer goal, and and it's really like a, it's 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 gonna blind it's gonna make you blind to what you really need to achieve because it's it's stressful and you have to navigate a, a big. Uh, like research pipeline, and, and that's that's too too demanding actually to take a step back. And that's why we had those coffee on the roof actually to take a step back and and think <laughs> about who we were and and what did we want to achieve in this little world. It I I appreciate that because it's definitely given me a lot of the perspective that I need to really think about you know like. And I've mentioned this before, like how terrifying it is for my team when I'm like, I need you to do less research, and they're like what <laughs> what do you mean and it's just go have some conversations go grab a coffee you know like go have a chat join a play session go participate in a play session right it's not about you having to come in and like share your research agenda right it's like having influence and having impact doesn't mean that you have to say anything it's just being there being supportive asking questions being a part of the process, understanding, learning, everything. Because I think that it's, we do have this kind of, you get stuck in this loop of feeling like you have to be the one to instigate, okay, I need this, or we're coming in to do this test, I need this information, where it's totally okay to just go hang out, <laughs> go, you know, participate and listen and hear what's happening. And that's how uh, to, uh, to, to, as you were saying, uh, uh, Julien, that you know what the questions are, you know, this is how you shift from reactive to proactive research, right? Uh, it's either you're here at, uh, hey, what's the next objective to, I know already what the next objective is and I know what that this is the priority I should put on this because this is the most important because I've been in those discussions. So I think one of the kind of more tricky sides of tackling this is managing kind of the expectations of your production, right, too. So you have the side of like, we are ready to do this. But I think there's also the side of trying to, 
you know, how do we achieve that mindset? Because it's not just on us deciding like, okay, we want to have this, you know, we're going to approach ourselves as tool, like this design tools. We want to get better. We want to help. Um, we, we have to manage the relationships as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's, that's tricky. I, I think, uh, what worked well for us is that we found a space where we saw that it, the process wasn't super efficient and we thought that we could facilitate it. Um, it was a thing that happened, like there was PlayStation that was that were used to validate um, prototypes, but we, we, we attended a few of those like as a external participants and we saw that the discussion were not very fluid, there wasn't clear takeaways at the end, um, the conversation was not really like well structured, which is a bunch of things we know how to do very well as researchers. So we managed to step in and when you have a producer that sees that you have actual next steps, they are very happy and they empower you to do more. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that's maybe that's your good, uh, your Trojan horse is like, try to find this, this thing where clearly they need some help because it's going everywhere and, and they are not very efficient and, and they lose time and, and they get frustrated because they can't, they can't manage to iterate, which I'm going back to the word I used earlier. Yeah. It's like, you can see that they are going on a loop. Like they are testing the same thing over and again, and no one yeah. is taking a decision and no one is taking any action. And you can help them structure that. You can say, hey, here is what, what are your objectives. Here is how we are going to proceed. Here is how the takeaway is based on your feedback. Um, yeah. And that once you do that once, I think that helps afterwards, you know, sell that idea that you're not just here to share on test reports. Uh, so you probably need to go out of your way a little bit early on to find those spaces. But I think there is a lot of value in that. Yeah. And I think the important thing for me and kind of highlighting is like holding up something that I was already there, right? Like you, you're not going in like, all right, let's organize a play session. Let's do this and let's do that. It's really kind of organically trying to find those opportunities within the things that they're doing, right? It's being able to say, okay, how do we help you design things? How do we help you make decisions? What What's your decision-making process, right? It's really understanding like, and I know for us, we recognized, you recognized, play sessions was a big part of that piece. Them being able to play through the content, play together, give the feedback, that was a big way in which they drove the conversation towards how a decision was made. And so we were able to say, okay, you know, you want to make decisions, you want to make, you want to be confident in the decisions that you're making, you want to make decisions faster, I'm sure, because nobody wants to make things slower. <laughs> and so how do we kind of come and help, you know, build around that? And I think that's, it's an important piece of not trying to come in and be, you know, hey, here we are, here's, here's what we do. Although I do think there's an important element of that. However, I think it's being able to kind of organically find those opportunities to show them who you are, right? And show them the versatility of what you can do. Because if you only ever approach them in the same way, you can't expect things really to change meaningfully. Yeah, and that can be uh, also, uh, yeah, I think the PlayStation, et cetera, are good ways, but sometimes you can even just do something that you know is going to help them, even if they don't want to. I mean, you just, I think that's something that you said in your talk, Julien, you know, just do a test for free, you know, because you know it makes sense to do a test at this time. So you're going to do it 
anyways, you're going to bring them some feedback and it's here. Here's what I have for you. If you're unhappy, that's okay. I will never do it again. And the, 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 the times I've seen that done, it's usually it's, it's also a turning point for uh, um, I remember uh, of this production where we had a, a researcher and they were not really, let's say, enthusiastic about user research until uh, they've delivered their first test and they says, oh, OK, so this is what research can do for us. So sometimes you have to kind of force this, but uh, I mean, if it's done nicely, it doesn't cost them anything and you're just showing your value is also a, a nice way to kind of educate about what kind of insight research can bring them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just, it's, I think, again, I think it's just, it's the way that you approach it, right? I think it's really kind of taking that step back and thinking about our role as researchers, why we're there, what the shared goals are, right? It's, it's they are shared. We're trying to create an experience that our players are going to enjoy and we're trying to create an experience that you know is in meeting the intentions of how they want things to be designed and so being able to be a part of that i think it's it's not as clear cut as just saying you're a researcher that i think that's where we, where things get a little bit weird because a lot of the times it's like you think like oh yeah i've got my my tools and I've got my kit and this is amazing and I'm going to go do some research. But a lot of it is maybe just sitting in a room listening or asking questions or maybe it's reconceptualizing like things that have already been done. Right. I know for me, that was a big part of how I kind of made that transition for myself was really looking back at past research and really trying to draw attention to things that we'd missed and that things that we were either maybe a little bit late in bringing towards attention, but really trying to kind of, okay, how do we learn? How do we make better decisions about things going forward without costing them? Or more importantly, you know, we gotta get a build and we gotta get this and we gotta get that. It was really kind of this adjacent thing of, you know, how can I help facilitate the conversation around design decisions? And a lot of that was just getting them to think about their design differently. And it wasn't necessarily about trying to validate this with the players or anything. It was just trying to present information to say, hey, this is what we see. This is what we know about how players are interacting with these things. You know, let's let's have a conversation about like, is this in line with how we want thing, the reality of what we want? And just kind of getting them to take that step back on their design without really having to, you know, have a play session or a user test or anything like that. I think that's really a powerful way of kind of integrating and, you know, being a, a design tool, essentially. Absolutely. And, and one thing I realized uh, over time is that, you know, what you described where, uh, what you just described where design is not really just uh, the job of the designer, but it's also something we, 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 we can contribute to. I realized too that it was true for other um, specialties on the production. And ultimately, uh, like a good friend of mine who, uh, in design pilot, it's like it's everyone that makes the design move forward. It's the whole production. So there is no reason that we as researchers are very different. And we are actually uniquely equipped to f speed that off and make things um 
like reach the goal we all set together. And I think when, like what you described, when you you, you achieve a state where your goals are their goals, their goals are your goals. Sorry, you can do what you described. You can say, okay, I see that we are doing things maybe in a way that could be improved on. Uh, let's 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 think back and and let's take a step back and and see how we come to doing things that way and challenging that and giving giving them new tools to 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 approach their design in a, in a new way that is very hybrid between research and pure design and and I think that's where the magic happened in my opinion uh, so yeah, yeah I, I think that's yeah, this where all designer things, you know, reminds me of, uh, you know, when, uh, okay, what is user experience? Who is working on user experience? Well, guess what? Everyone is working on it because everyone contributes to what we deliver, which is a, a, um, an experience. This is what we build. We build experiences for people, playable experiences. So so that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if we all contribute to the user experience, then we all contribute to the design in a way. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's this kind of interesting situation. It's like, obviously, like, yeah, we, we all contribute to this, but I think we've probably all faced and a lot of people listening to this have probably also faced a resistance towards kind of getting getting in or kind of getting to be a part of things. And so I'm wondering, surprise you with a question of, you know, how, what are some of the ways that we can deal with some of these more kind of reluctance, right? There's this common theme of like, well, you're going to ruin design. You're going to ruin the vision. You know, it's like, you're just trying to, trying to crowdsource, crowdsource that, right? Like, do you have, do either of you have like any recommendations or tips on maybe how you can kind of change the, the narrative around these conversations when trying to get in with the stakeholders? I really like the crowdsource the design. It's really, uh, <laughs> but it's it's really it's something a conversation I have very often on on, on a live game. But um, I think you have to show them uh, as a first step that their vision is your vision. Uh, like if if you embrace their goal and you understand and you you manage to reach a point like slowly and over time that you show that you and them have the same. You are just achieve, trying to achieve the same thing. Um, then maybe they get less scared when you start putting more more inputs of people that they consider like the crowd, like for to take your analogy. Um, and I don't I don't think you can achieve that easily or quickly if they are reluctant. That's gonna take time. And I, I will probably try to not scare them with like big leap of faith or hey your player are saying this you want to do this you should probably listen to them. Like there is probably intermediate step where you can slowly make them trust you, and once you tr they have your like you you have their trust, you can probably reach a point where you you can say okay, I know that that goes against your vision, guys, and I understand because I share your vision, but this seems to go against uh like the 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 what the or player needs seems to go against our initial vision, and we need to have a chat about that. And sometimes you, you power through and you, because you think like you have good reason to do so and you think the payoff is 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 going to be there and and sometimes you don't um and uh, and and but you have to build that first and 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 slowly expand and and, and then you you can start taking risks yeah, and it has to be done from the start, you know. Uh, I can perfectly see how people can be reluctant if uh, they kind of didn't see you for two years and then you end up with this test chase saying that uh, the decisions that they have made are not good, which is 
probably true, by the way, but they didn't get anything from us and they didn't get any insight from the players all along the process. And then we just say, hey, sorry, you, you're, you're not making it. So I can understand how this makes people reluctant and how uh, we are uh, then steering towards the not so wanted position of the validators that uh, we talked about last time and that uh, Julien is talking a, a lot about. So, uh, I mean, again, and going back to your talk, Julien, I mean, if, you know, we're talking, uh, you are talking about the test anxiety. I mean, the I think test anxiety generates reluctance and generates this kind of reaction because if that's the first time you confront your design to the players and you're very advanced in the process, you're just scared that the results are not going to be good. Uh, whether, whereas if you start this collaboration from the start in a good way and that you do iterate and you do test early and they get all the feedback that they can dream of while designing this, I mean, yeah. uh, not only will be there more confident, but probably that the feedback, if not perfect, is going to be good overall because the player was at the center of the process from the start. So um, building that early sounds like the way to go. And I think it's, uh, I did experience that, but again, thinking about the situation I was speaking earlier about that person joining a project, uh, pretty reluctant, but they were pretty early in the project. So it just took one test to show how research could actually feed their thinking to say, oh, okay, no, I'm interested because I see mm -hmm. a tool that helps me make my decisions. But of course, if this tool is arriving at the end, it is just telling you that all the decisions that you've made for the past 10 years, two years are not the right ones, then it's more difficult to, uh, to swallow for them, which is perfectly understandable. I would feel the same in there if I was in their shoes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I think it's it's something it's interesting. Cause it's like getting there early, obviously, is super helpful. Nobody wants to be told that like the decisions that they took were wrong or bad. Right. And I think about that a lot at the point at which I arrived on Siege, which was two years after launch. And a lot had happened and a lot of decisions had been cemented that we couldn't that were never going to be able to be changed. And so it's we of course, we can't all afford the luxury or have the opportunity uh, to be there early, but it is about kind of just starting, right? It's really coming in and coming and starting that conversation and building that relationship and helping. Obviously, we were working on a live game, so content was always coming after the fact. So we came in early for that content. Um, but it is, you know, just about getting in and getting started on that conversation. I think a lot of it can be done as well in the way that we present our findings and how we share that information with them. And it's not like an us versus you, like your thing is bad. It's here's what we can do to improve, to make this more aligned with our goals and the way in which we kind of shape that information as it goes back to them to help them have that to make decisions. Absolutely. And and you mentioned anxiety. And I think anxiety also comes from not knowing what to expect. And I think yep. I think that shouldn't happen almost ever. Um if you if you manage if you have you know not, you don't have infinite resources, but if you manage to have little increment incre incremental piece of research along the way, there shouldn't be a big surprise. Like they, you might expect high intense from the player. I have that uh, basically every day um on siege. But you know you're going to have it, uh, a reluctance because you've done this research, you know that this feature um, is very good for a specific population. 
But another population um, is kind of reluctant to it because they're reluctant to change or, or they don't understand why we are doing this change. And so, yes, you will have negative feedback that will challenge your vision, but they know it's going to happen. So you're, you're not put in a position where it's like a fight or flight thing, where it's like scary and you are like the world is crumbling because you're, you know ahead of time that, yes, there is a high chance that this is uh, going to end up with a negative reaction and we have to be prepared to deal with that. And it's actually comforting that you have both piece of research that tells you, yes, it was good for that one group that we designed this feature for. And we know that it's going to be tricky for the rest, but we know we still have this, this thing we validated a year ago that says, yes, this is good for um, this smaller segment. And this is why, why, why we are doing this. Um, and, uh, and sometimes, interestingly, uh, your job ends up being helping them not listen to the player in a way, like remind them that they had this design vision, we validated it in a lab with a bunch of players, we know it works. And yes, there is a pushback at launch, but the, that does not invalidate what we learned uh, during conception. Those things are still true. So there is instances where you just have to wait for the backlash to dissipate. And then you can see, yeah, did it achieve the goal um, we set us uh, for this feature or not, and then you can actually decide to change the feature or not. But it's it helps you navigate that that anxiety, um, possible negative reaction, and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think I think that's a I think it's a kind of a good summary, right, of kind of all of these different things of like what the kind of what we're kind of fighting against, right, is really having that anxiety kind of getting to the point where we're getting to the end and people are still kind of unsure. They don't feel kind of confident, right? It's it's really going back to, again, we're, we're here to be able to help facilitate, to meet that goal and help them feel confident about those decisions, right? And it's it's not always about just kind of saying like, oh, well, you were wrong and like you should take this step instead. It's sometimes like, yeah, sometimes you have to kind of power through of, okay, we've made this decision. This is how it, this is how it, how things happened. Here's how we anticipate things could happen in the future and really kind of helping them see all the different perspectives. Cause again, that's kind of where the Venn diagram of our, our expertise kind of comes, comes into play, but we're running out of time. And so I want to get your your final thoughts and final final words to share on the topic. <laughs> I talked a lot, so I don't know if we <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I would say that uh, yeah, if you want to be uh, a design tool, uh, then we have to be here when the design happens and when not when it's finished. So uh, yeah. um, we need. Uh, we need to encourage everyone to uh, be unhappy when they hear the sentence. Eh, no, I cannot test it because it's not ready yet. Because when you hear that sentence and when the thing is ready yet, not only decisions have been taken, but they have already been implemented, which is why you can actually test it. And this, this is not the right way to do. You're already too late when this is happening. Totally. And, and one thing I will add, uh, maybe as a, a little... Uh... Uh, I don't know, something that can help people achieve that is that we learn how to be empathetic toward players in our training. And I think that's great. 
I think one thing that could help uh, researchers is to be empathetic toward their designers. Try to understand why they are stressed out. Try to understand what they are going through, um, how, like, what, what matters to them, um, what they are trying to achieve, be empathetic toward their goals and dreams. And, and I think that's going to really help you um, help them down the road. Uh, and and, and the, the red flag I, I gave during the, 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 the talk uh, is that if you feel frustrated and you don't understand why your designers are doing something, it's maybe because you're, you're too far away. You can disagree with them, that's fine, but that should not create uncomprehension and, and frustration from you. Uh, you should understand what they're trying to achieve. Even if you think it's a bad idea, at least you should really understand it. And so yes. learn how to be empathetic toward the, those great people that try to make games. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I would like to add something on that because that leads to, <laughs> sorry, but that relates to the thought that I was having is, you know, even if in our reports, you know, uh, we know that we have this tendency to just say things that uh, don't work well. And we say, okay, yeah, we have to splash some positives here so that we say that, okay, we just, but that, let's face it, we are mostly the bearer of bad news here. Let's celebrate the progress. Let's track the progress that they make on their feature. I think that would help just celebrate and saying, hey, you did improve the issue that you had last time. It's no longer happening. Good job. We made it. We took the player's feedback into account and it's really ended up in improving uh, the feature experience. I think that's also a way that we don't use and could and probably should use to uh, be more empathetic and to be more like, you know, more having a positive uh, relationship with our stakeholders. I, I love that this is the final the final point that we use to wrap it up because I think it is something that's so, so important. And I think it is a big step towards us building off of this mindset that we have been talking about. I think this is a really big piece of that. They are humans too. <laughs> and they don't want to be told that everything they're doing is shit all the time. They want to be able to understand why the thing that they did went well. They want to understand how they can make better decisions. And so really being that kind of empathetic partner in this whole process and really being able to be by their side as they are making these design decisions and really being able to help facilitate by giving them the information to feel confident and really being able to, like you said, celebrate when they do things well, when the vision, the shared vision that we have is succeeding. And I think that's an important piece that uh, kind of helps, you know, build that build that relationship with your partners. So thank you very much. This was great. The time flew by. So thank you very much, both of you, for, for joining for the discussion today. Uh, and I will chat with you both very soon. Yeah, thanks, Lenny, and thanks, Julien, for, uh, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much.